Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying, skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. At ESPNAU.com. Hello and welcome in. It is the – there you go, Drew. Great job. It's uh, it's the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Bill Cameron somewhere on the high seas, you know, somewhere somewhere in the ocean, maybe on a beach, maybe doing the limbo. You never you never know what Bill Cameron's uh, up to on vacation, probably enjoying some some good food and some good music. We'll talk. I got a Texas and Louisiana trip coming, so we'll talk a little bit of food on this uh, on, on on this edition of the show because I've I've got a um, I've I've only been to San Marcos a, a couple of times. I usually you know stick with the hotel and the team meals. I put out the the food signal on the Observer podcast. I'm Dan Peck, by the way. I don't know if I got to that part, but uh, uh, Drew, Drew is uh, Drew's at the controls, doing a great job. Coach Don Dunn uh, hanging out with us as, uh, as as well. I put out the food signal on the Observer podcast for uh, for San Marcos, Texas, and Lafayette, Louisiana, and I got a I got a barbecue recommendation. I got a breakfast taco recommendation, which I'm excited about exploring. There's an In-N-Out burger in San Marcos, Texas, which is uh, which is fun. And then there's a I guess there's a po'boy place that's been open for generations that's really close to our hotel in in Lafayette. So I'm gonna probably go find. Uh, I don't know. Is it is it? I, I should probably ask. Is it crawfish season? Is that something that's? I, I forget if that's a if that's a cold weather thing or a or a warm weather. Thing I think we're getting close. Tex, uh, Tex will know if he's yeah. Uh, if, usually if he's around Mardi Gras, I think it starts maybe. So uh, I may stick with the shrimp. And, yeah, and may, yeah, and may venture. Might may, be a little early. Maybe a little early. And it depends on the weather too with this cold spell. You, so. you know, you an oyster guy? Are you? Uh, oh yeah. Okay. There's, as you can tell, there's no food that sure. I don't like. No, but I and that's and that's Coach Don <laughs> Dunn, the defensive line coach. But no, and, and uh, we uh, I worked at a I believe it's gone now, but I used to work at a sports bar across the street from the outlet malls in Sandestin called Buster's mm-hmm. that did – people would come for the gumbo, mm-hmm. the wings, and they had a couple of oyster-on-the-half-shell deals. And I – in my employment there, I ate enough oysters-on-the-half-shell to probably, like, pass on them ever again except <laughs> on very special occasions. Right. But that is a – uh, that's a you know when you find the right one that's a that's a yep. delicacy and yep. and in Louisiana they know how to fry them so right. so I'm I'm looking you know I'm looking forward to uh, looking forward to a couple of things I'm going to get to do on this uh, on this trip with the Trojans you mentioned before we started the show Trojans are pretty hot right now yeah four, great weekend four straight conference wins for the women it's been a good week for everybody the women five, Auburn's women wow five stra- I was at I was at that game yeah. I, I I went with uh, I, I went with a so. Uh, at, with Troy, the director of basketball operations, she's an LSU grad and a fan, and so she came up for it. And I, uh, well, she she brought a couple of people, and uh, it was a it was a good time. Great atmosphere, biggest crowd ever. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned it, Coach, because because yep. there, there's a lot of things going on, and we'll we'll try to get to as much of it as we can. Uh, the transfer portal is is swirling. Auburn's landed a couple of players that are intriguing uh, uh, w- with regards to next year's team. Auburn has lost a couple of players that you might have had penciled in uh, on on your roster. Uh, coaching vacancies. Uh, the uh, the Alabama staff starting to take shape. 
with Kalen DeBoer. Washington has made a move to replace him, bringing in Arizona's Jed Fish, who's done an excellent job at mm-hmm. Arizona. I thought some bigger schools might look at Jed Fish this offseason uh, and and uh, and consider him uh, for their vacancies, even NFL uh, programs. I thought he was one of the guys in in the college game who maybe made sense uh, as as a potential option to jump from college to the NFL. He has some NFL uh, position coach experience, I believe. I believe with the Patriots, mm-hmm. actually. But uh, uh, but instead, he's going to be the next head coach at the University of Washington. And so, yeah, some some things. We're still waiting to see uh, if if there's Harbaugh news this week. It feels like you know at some. I, I think he's going to take an NFL job. It's just a matter of. And I also suspect they have an internal uh, option ready to ready to jump in. So it doesn't seem like with Harbaugh, you're not going to have the dominoes of oh well, Michigan might go poach the right. coach from this school, or could be some position right. coach changes there at Michigan with uh, you know if, if Harbaugh takes, I believe he's meeting with the Chargers uh, soon, and mm-hmm. the, Ra- the Raiders are also set uh, rumored to be interested. So uh, yeah, I would I would suspect that Jim Harbaugh has coached his last game for the time being in college football with with a move to the NFL on the horizon. But but with all that going on. Auburn's women picking up a huge win on Sunday against LSU, uh, reigning national champion coming in, and uh, and a game where yeah, at times you, you thought that LSU's um, talent advantage uh, and their and their uh, you know especially at, you know it seemed like they were able to get to the rim, and you're just thinking how's how's Auburn going to stop this? Mm-hmm. But Auburn played so hard in that game and fought until. And, and took advantage of, of you know, forced some LSU mistakes, took advantage of some LSU mistakes, and they were able to, uh, to make it a close game. Uh, as, as, you know, the longer it was close, the more uncomfortable LSU got, the more the crowd got into it. And at the end, LSU needed to make a basket, and they could not do it. Auburn gets the stop. Auburn gets the biggest win of the Johnny Harris era. And after a very slow start in conference play, that's a really big win in front of the biggest crowd to ever watch a women's basketball game at, at, at Neville Arena. Really, really nice moment for that program. Yeah, that was a great win. Uh, I listened to the first part of it on the radio. I had to go over to countries and do some stuff. And then I got home and watched the end. And like you said, they got confidence early. They had a good start. Uh, you know, LSU took the lead, I think, about 4-5. And like you said, they kept fighting. And as lo- the longer the game went on, the more confident they got. And I just, just kept waiting for yeah. LSU. I mean, kept yeah. kept feeling like LSU was going to break it open. Yeah. Like they kept, they're, 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 there were multiple times in the game where either because LSU was getting rebounds and, and Auburn couldn't do much about it, or LSU was able to feed it inside and and get baskets through the Auburn defense where you felt, oh, man, Auburn's going to have to play so well to keep this game close. And they did. Like, mm-hmm. they, they, you know, every, everything that needed to go Auburn's way in that situation, uh, you know, it, it all, it, it all, you know, for the moment broke Auburn's way. So, uh, yeah, big win for, uh, for, for Johnny Harris. And they, uh, they, they keep the SEC season going, but they uh, deal a blow to – LSU had a slow start to the season. They lost the Colorado game. Uh, early on, but they were on a 15, 16 game win streak at that point. I mean, they, they were and still in the top 10 
uh, when uh, when they came to Auburn and a you know, vocal LSU section. You know, there's probably mm-hmm. 1,500 or so LSU fans uh, in the in the building. You know, which which helped uh, uh, spice up the environment. But a lot of Auburn people uh, in the crowd. So uh, men's men's basketball players were there. I know uh, President Roberts uh, was uh, was there watching it. So yeah, I think it's a uh, it was it was a really nice moment for women's basketball and a uh, and, and a big win for for, for Johnny Harris to. Uh, uh, to, uh, to 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 knock off uh, the champs uh, LSU. Yeah, it was a fun day. It really it really was, and that was one of several uh, basketball uh, wins uh, that that weekend for Auburn. They uh, they they pick up the win over uh, LSU on Saturday as well. The men's basketball team keeps rolling, and mm-hmm. and they've jumped after a week. We talked about a little bit last week where uh, the uh, so many teams ranked ahead of Auburn in last week's poll lost one or both of their games it was an it was an astonishing number auburn jumps nearly into the top 10 uh, i think uh, there there are quite a few voters who have auburn in their in their top 10 and auburn seems to be you know i i think again it doesn't matter the polls are for entertainment purposes only and they don't they don't play a big role in where teams are seated in the tournament joe lenardi has auburn uh, just outside the two line right now, I believe he's got them as the top three seed uh, on the uh, on on the board. So 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 Joe Lenardi thinks <clears throat> pretty highly of of this team. Uh, some, I, you know, I just I don't I don't get why voters would put Kentucky over over Auburn right now. That's my one gripe. You know, is that I think Kentucky is sort of coasting on. Uh, the brand name Kentucky and the last fifty years of, <laughs> of of what they've done because they've got uh, they've got a terrible home loss a quad three loss mm-hmm. uh, they've got a conference loss already Auburn and Alabama are the only two uh, teams this early in the season the only two teams still undefeated in SEC play are Alabama and Auburn and they'll square off uh, before the end of the month uh, right. but uh, uh, but no I think I think Auburn should be right again you can you can. The the top twelve seem to be so close together right now that you can uh, you, you can rank them in any order you really like, and there's probably uh, there's I mean, you don't want to over you don't want to overreact to one loss by by anybody. There are people arguing that even though Purdue lost a game, they still maybe had the best resume mm-hmm. of anyone overall. It's just a matter of do you, how how much do you ding a team when they when they just suffered. You know the loss that brings them a little bit back to the pack, but I think that there's you could, you could put them in virtually any order. I just think Auburn's got a stronger resume than Kentucky right now, and yet pretty much every voter has Kentucky ahead of Auburn uh, in their polls. But no, I just I would have uh, I, I would have especially with the way Auburn's been playing over the last month or so, the way they've started conference play, and uh, while Bruce Pearl wasn't thrilled with the finish. To the LSU game, you know, when you build a when you build a twenty eight point lead over a team, mm-hmm. you don't expect it to be a single digit game ever again. But I really think that is uh, it's it's a shame that I think that sort of overshadowed how well Auburn played to build the 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 win. Like I've I've heard people really griping about uh, how how LSU was able to make the LSU game a a close game uh, on on Saturday, and and I get that, but. Auburn played so well to build that 28-point lead, and it's a credit to Auburn they were able to do that, and it's a credit to LSU that they didn't roll over and, and raise the white flag right. uh, in, a, in a game where they were down 28 because I'm sure there was, uh, you know, th- th- it would have been very easy uh, for them to just run out the clock on a game that felt out of hand. Instead, they played extremely well and hit 
a series of shots and went on a run that that made it a lot more uh, you know made it a lot closer than anybody rooting for Auburn thought it would be, and it got kind of uncomfortable there when it got down to single digits because you thought I mean there's I, I don't know if Auburn in program history has lost a game where they were leading by 28. Like I, it's, it's not <laughs> most most teams haven't. Like it's it's pretty rare in in college. I've I've seen. I would say in doing in doing Troy for six years, I've seen two games where a team was up more than twenty and lost that game to, to the other team. Maybe three. Like it's it's a it's a short list in mm-hmm. in in six seasons of that. Coach, I imagine you've been what what would come to mind as biggest comeback or collapse? Well, you, uh, you, like I if you do, think about yeah, I do remember. Uh, when Rick Pitino was coaching at Kentucky, LSU, uh, I think was up 33 at home, and Kentucky came back and won. How about this in your career? Yeah, thinking about what about thinking in you? Like, what about oh, thinking, it's my own. Yeah, uh, what, wow. what what come to mind uh, as biggest comeback you were ever a part of? Mm, biggest collapse mm. you were ever a part of? And you can think about it for well, a little while. But yeah, <laughs> I tell you one that wasn't too long ago when I was at Western Kentucky, we played in the. First Bahamas Bowl, if you remember that, we were way up on Central Michigan, and we won, but they came all the way back and went for two on the last play of the game. Wow. I want to say it was probably 25 or 26 points. Would that have been McIlwain? Would he have been uh, on that, or was it, or was it maybe before, no, before he was before. there? No, this before. This is uh, like 2015, okay. something like that. It was the first, quote, Bahamas Bowl game over there. We had a big lead, and luckily we won, but it was a total collapse by us. And this year's Western Kentucky Old Dominion bowl game, Old Dominion was 28 to nothing, if you remember, and Western Kentucky came back and won. But that would probably be the biggest one that I've been involved in with a lead like that, and I'll have to check the score uh, on that Bahamas deal. But we were way up, and they came all the way back, and – we uh, uh, knocked down a two-point conversion to win. Le- Leach was involved in a couple of games like that. Oh, yeah. I think the bowl game that stood for a long time, the Texas Tech, it was Minnesota. There was a bowl game where where he was down 30, 37-3 or 34-3, mm-hmm. something like that, and Texas Tech came back and won. And then, of course, uh, Mississippi State. Uh, just a year and a half ago at, at Jordan Air Stadium, you know, probably one of them. Yeah. I mean, for all that's 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 I would imagine. On the list of the biggest home Comebacks. leads yeah. ever blown yeah. by by an Auburn football team to have a lead the size they they had against uh, against Mississippi State early in that game, and then for uh, for, for the for the Bulldogs to come back also with Mike Leach, mm-hmm. uh, that's a style that lends itself to rallying too. Right. You can score you right. know, if things start to go south for the defense, uh, run, running yeah. a, a well run air raid a, a well run air raid system. Uh, can uh, can can have a, a lot of success for sure. Score a lot of points, and and do it without taking do it without taking time off the clock. Yes, you know, that's run, the key. Run heavy yeah. situation. Now you can blow a lead right. doing that too. I think there was right. a, there was a Mike Leach game. I think there was a Mike Leach game at Washington State, right where Utah where UCLA came back and and it was a, a like just an obscene. I mean, he was he'd been up maybe it was in the same ballpark of mm-hmm. you know he, his team was in the thirties. UCLA was in the single digits, and and Chip Kelly uh, roars back and, and does that. But uh, but no, Auburn Auburn avoided getting on that list on Saturday uh, because even though they were they were up twenty eight and LSU sort of uh, LSU were they were able to fight back. Uh, they did not uh, they they did not 
overtake Auburn or anything like that. The Auburn improves to three and zero in conference play. They they go to Vanderbilt. Actually, they're going right now. We can't talk right. to can't talk to Andy Bertram, our usual uh, our usual guest on Tuesdays. Uh, we really appreciate the time Andy has given us, and he's going to try to join us again soon, I'm sure. But but we can't talk to Andy uh, because he is uh, going to uh, be he's on the plane. I think right now to uh, to, to Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're playing tomorrow night uh, up at Memorial in Nashville against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Auburn would love to start four and zero. This team is playing uh, really well and uh, it, looking. You don't want to look ahead because Vanderbilt's a good team that can, uh, especially at home, nearly knocked off Alabama. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a team that can uh, uh, cause some trouble. But uh, if Auburn gets uh, gets past Vanderbilt, they're going to have a, uh, a ranked Ole Miss team uh, with former Auburn Tiger Alan Flanagan mm-hmm. uh, coming to Neville Arena uh, this weekend. So a, a big week uh, for uh, for Bruce Pearl and company after passing the early test of Arkansas Texas A&M and LSU, three games that folks, you know, had, uh, you know, they, they had circled early as, you know, how was Auburn going to rise to the occasion? Well, Auburn has looked, uh, Auburn's looked as good as anybody in the conference right. uh, through three games, and uh, and they uh, uh, they look to keep that going uh, in Nashville. Yep, and that's an unusual gym. Have you ever been to Nashville? I have never been inside the Memorial not. Coliseum. I have Every- not, but it looks so crazy. Everybody, t- I've heard it compared to. Uh, to playing basketball in a stadium, like yeah. in a football stadium or something that's been because the the sight lines are right. off and the benches to, are at the end, correct? Under yes, the basket, yeah, the, the, yeah, baseline. And I think if you go too far out of bounds, you're going to drop off like three feet or something. It's a raised it's, it's floor. An, it's crazy, an elevated surface, yes. which has to be yeah. That, that's got to be a strange thing and, yeah. and I, tough I, place to play. I, I know Bruce's uh, for, for the for the new players because there are quite a few who have never been to Memorial mm-hmm. Coliseum before in their basketball careers. You know, he really tells them like this is this is a practice and a shoot around you need to take seriously right. because it's your only chance to yeah and to, it's very different to try yeah to try to shoot in an, in an unusual gym mm-hmm. 3343211390 is the number to dial that is uh, uh, how you get in touch with us on the sky bar uh, that, that that's the the drive hotline presented by our friends at Skybar, uh, you can text the show 334-564-1840 on the drive text box. Uh, that's presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast available however you listen to podcasts. You can go to ESPNAU.com and use the podcast center, or you can just search for The Drive with Bill Cameron however uh, you get your podcast: Apple, Google, Spotify, and you can find the show that way. We're going to take a break. We've got John hanging on. John, we'll get to you when we come back. No Andy Burke. In hour number one today, we'll, we'll have Andy on the show again soon. Jake Crane, I think we're all systems go for Jake in hour number two. We got Coach Don Dunn hanging out with us, and we're taking your phone calls. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, we'll talk about it when we come back. Uh, don't go anywhere. This is The Drive. Experience.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. The... Tuesday edition of the drive. Yeah, what I mean, just during the commercial break, talking some of the shocking NFL playoff uh, results that we can get to. There's there's Auburn uh, transfer portal news. There's Alabama coaching news. There's Auburn basketball to react to. There's a ton going on. So uh, uh, lo- love to hear from you. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We've got uh, a full bank of calls 
uh, right now. And I believe we're starting things off with John, who hung on through the break. What's up, John? Hey, Dan and Coach Dunn. I heard uh, your comments about the uh, Vanderbilt basketball arena. Mm-hmm. I've actually got tickets tickets up there tomorrow. I don't think the weather's going to permit, but that that's an awful building to watch a game in, I'll say that. <laughs> It looks like an old cathedral or are the, something. Are the sight lines not great from the audience? Is that an, is that something else I would imagine would be? Uh, you know, we were talking about the raised uh, the, the the raised platform and stuff. But I mean, it's like it's like watching basketball in like a sumo. Uh, you know, right? Like in a, in, a, in a sumo place where they got the you know the, it's like theater in the round or, or something there. Which it's got to be a that's an it's an odd it's an odd uh, environment for a basketball game. It is, and it's like each sex, each side has like a corridor you have to go down to get to the other side of there. It's just a weird building. I hate it. But a <laughs> um, cu- couple thoughts. A uh, great win for the Auburn women's basketball team on Sunday. I'm really happy for Coach Harris. I really thought they just simply outplayed LSU, and I hope we get a, a big crowd um, Sunday for the Alabama game, another big, big opportunity. The men are playing well. I had an odd question for Coach Dunn. I've always wondered this. Um I've always kind of been a proponent of of auto bids for like all conference champions, even get maybe some smaller smaller schools, non power five, in like some sort of national playoff. So my question for Coach Dunn, I know you coached at Western Kentucky. Would you rather, and I know a bowl game's much more prestigious for maybe a smaller school. Would you rather have been in a bowl game or like a national playoff when you were at like Western Kentucky, given the options? That's the only question I had. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, John, I I, I think I would have. For sure, much rather been in a in a championship uh, playoff. You know, the old days, Western did win a championship with Harbaugh's father. Uh, when it, well, we used to call it one double A, and they still have the playoffs. And I would have much rather been in a playoff with a chance to win a national championship for sure. I uh, see. I'm a proponent, coach. Uh, it's interesting that that's a it's a great question, and I'm all, I think that the gulf between the the best power conference programs and even the best group of five programs now is to a point where I would like to see an eight team group of five playoff for a national championship where I think you'd have a like as opposed to bowl games like if there were you know and and maybe maybe you do a distinction between okay this is the power conference playoff with with the top eight selected by the committee and then there's a group of five. And if look, and if there's a if there's a group of five team that's good enough for the for the for the for the major kind, like if they're selected by the committee for the major conference playoff, that's fine. They they can go to that one. But I would be all about a committee selecting the best six or eight group of five programs and doing Couple of home games and a championship mm-hmm. in Vegas, yeah, or something, and and letting them play for. And I think it would give. It would give Sun Belt teams an actual national championship to right. aspire for in college football, which like, even a you know even a great coastal team or a great Louisiana team, you know you like the, the thought of, of beating three power conference teams in, in three games, it, it feels a little little far fetched. Right, I agree. That's that sounds like a great idea. That would be very interesting. I think the kids would love it. The fans would love it and I think the networks would like it. And the yeah. and the and the bowl games are right. I, I feel like the bowl games are going out right, right now. Like you know, especially I don't when, see how all of them can survive. When we grow the playoff too. Like right. I just feel like there's gonna be there's gonna be even less demand for that as a you know Right. For, That's for, a great idea. All all parties. Great stuff, John. Good question. Let's uh let's let's do another one before we take our uh, our, our bottom of the hour break. Dan is on the line. What's up, Dan? Hey, good afternoon guys. Um 
Coach Dunn really enjoyed. You're a natural at this. We <laughs> really enjoy your uh, comments and your stories. You really add a lot to it. So uh, Thank thanks you. for coming on so often. Um, I was looking at a stat online about the basketball team, the uh, plus-minus differential while they're on the court. And there are a couple of things that really stood out to me. One was that Chad Baker Mazzara was on top uh, with the highest uh, differential. And the top five were all KD and the Sunshine Band. They're all the you know, second-team players. <laughs> they actually had uh, higher numbers than the starters. And I think that really just goes um, to show you know the depth on the team. Um, the only bottom two were uh, Leor and Chris Moore, and I think you know those two could get their game up. Um, they're probably the only two that have um, you know, been a little disappointed in this year. Um, as far as the women, I think they, they well. Just first on first game, on the point. Well, for, first, they have it, Dan. First on the point you just made about the men's team, um, I, I would say. Uh, it's it's yeah it's it's what a what a revelation uh, Chad Baker Mazzara has been in the aftermath of Alan Flanagan leaving because it, because imagine if if you didn't land Baker Mazzara th- this this offseason you you might be playing you know you might be playing the rotation of Chris Moore and Leor Berman for forty minutes which at the moment seems like it would be a tough proposition based on how they've struggled to, at least to start conference play although I think Chris Moore does provide things that maybe you know not not to be hokey and Oh, he's he's it's more than the box score because in basketball they can they can tell a lot these days on on the box score. But uh, I I do think Chris Moore is somebody who can who you know even even when he's not necessarily producing offensively can 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 help you. Having said that, uh, no, I think that if without without Chad Baker Mazar, I think that the three position right now would be uh, a real a real struggle for for Auburn, and he's been uh, what a find out of junior college he's been for this coaching staff. Agree, and and the women. I think uh, Sunday's game could be a turning point for them because, you know, I think they have to learn how to win. I watched the Tennessee game and watched them get out to lead, and Tennessee made a run, and you can see their confidence was kind of shaken. They they missed some shots, and then Sunday we saw LSU make a run, and and you know, and the women they started missing some some shots, and I thought, here we go again, but. Something happened. They uh, they dug in there at the end, and, and that one play at the end uh, where she just ripped the ball out of Angel Reese's hands, that was just uh, that, that was a highlight. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And timely baskets down the stretch uh, for, for an Auburn offense that didn't have an easy go of it overall, and, and honesty is uh... – uh, is is I think she's co-player of the week, or maybe she won it outright. I, 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 I should know. I should know that when I before I congratulate her. But honestly, Scott Grayson recognized by the conference uh, for the uh, for, for the game she played as well. All right. Yeah. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, Enjoy great, great stuff, Dan. Don't be a stranger. Enjoyed the call. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. Who else is on the line? Terry. All right, Terry. We're going to get to you before we take the break. Uh, we're, we're running a little bit behind, but Terry's been on the line. And he's a good sport. What's up, Terry? Just quick question: Did um, uh, did Caleb Downs make a decision today? Alabama cornerback. Uh, let me check on that. I have not seen. Uh, I have not seen any. Uh, I, I, bl- I don't want to ask Coach Dunn a question, please. Okay. Is it is it fair to compare basketball in Kentucky to football in Alabama? <laughs> uh, yeah, probably so. Not so much the last couple of years, but probably so. But. Uh, for a long time, they yeah, were the, the, the marquee program. Right. The SEC is, is 
caught up with Kentucky. There's so many uh, great coaches now in this conference, great players, great exposure. I think you can thank Kentucky for making them maybe go out and get these good coaches and players. But I would say that was a fair statement. Maybe not so much in the last five years, but before that, yes, Terry, for sure. Well, if Calipari keeps losing games like he lost the other day, they're going to wear two and three pairs of pants every game to keep yeah. the burn from going through. Yeah, it was it was a, a tough loss for him over time. But, hey, it's a long season. So, uh, yeah, but you're right. There's a lot of pressure on him, I would think. That's a, that's a team that's going to get better over the course of conference play, though. I just think when you, when you bring in four freshmen and you play them that much – you know, by, by the end of the season, they're not going to be freshmen anymore, and they are going to be lottery picks. And a team like that, like if Kentucky will either, if they keep playing, they'll be a three or a four seed uh, that, that will be, you know, no, no one will want them in their region in the NCAA tournament. If they slip, I mean, the thought of Kentucky as a, you know, a 10 or an 11 seed bubble team, they'll have so much more talent than your average team with that kind of ranking in the NCAA tournament. Like I, I think that Kentucky team is a uh, like that 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 is a it, it's this this year's version of it could be an extremely dangerous team in in a couple of weeks when we get closer to uh, the NCAA tournament if if they can hold everything together. Now a bunch of losses, uh, first year guys thinking about the NBA, mm-hmm. uh, maybe that maybe that starts to tear. What kind of leadership is there in in a room with so many freshmen? I I don't know. But if they're if they get rolling, Ooh, you could start to see that talent come through, and, and and they'll start to remind you that they've got a team with NBA talent all over yeah, the all over the roster. Why opposing fan bases get excited about beating Kentucky. Oh yeah, that's right. And that's the way you know Auburn's Auburn's getting some of that on mm-hmm. the road. Like I, you know, I'll be I'll be interested to see what it looks like tonight at Vanderbilt. I imagine Alabama will have one of their better crowds of the season uh, with with this Auburn team uh, when when they go to Coleman, and uh, and I think that Auburn will have some of that you know some of that Beatlemania. Uh, when they go when when they go on the road, Terry, we got to take a break. Uh, great, care, great stuff. Thank Always you. love uh, hearing from you. We'll be back with more. You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the Drive. Seven and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. The Tuesday edition of The Drive, Dan Peck in the studio. Coach Don Dunn, longtime Auburn defensive line coach, hanging out with us. Drew at the controls. Love to hear from you. Talked a little men's basketball in that segment. We can pivot to football. There's some big names from uh, the Auburn football uh, team uh, th- that have made portal decisions in the last uh, couple of hours. That There's, there's news of... Uh, I believe Robbie Ashford to South Carolina is being reported. The uh, Auburn uh, backup quarterback this year started for much of the 2022 season. Uh, he is uh, taking his talents to uh, South Carolina with two more seasons uh, with uh, as a quarterback. Uh, Donovan Kaufman and Cam Riley uh, reportedly in the transfer portal. I think they would both be graduate transfers, so, so the, the the portal window – uh, timelines don't necessarily apply to them, but they could be looking elsewhere for uh, for, for where they're where they're going to spend their college football, uh, where, where they're going to spend the rest of their college football careers. And then there were two pickups. There was there was the uh, the offensive tackle from Mississippi State, which was a 
that was, I, I think, towards the end of the show on Friday. We talked about that one a little bit. And then Auburn also picking up a safety from Texas in the transfer portal. And, and these are two guys who have, uh, who have played a lot of college football. Let's talk offensive line uh, for, a, uh, for, for a little bit. I believe it's um, – uh, is let me let me see if I can pull up the I'll pull up the details on the uh, on the on the Auburn uh, offensive lineman from Mississippi State who is uh, who's who's coming to uh, Auburn I believe he's enrolled in school uh, now as uh, as as that I mean because that's that's a that's a nice that's a nice pickup for uh, for, for for Auburn and a team that's a Percy Lewis is is his name and he's somebody who uh, might slot in as your left tackle uh, right now. Yeah, he. Uh, anytime you can get a, a offensive lineman or a defensive lineman with SEC experience, that's uh, a plus. And I think what I, from what I understand, that like you said, they'll move him to tackle, or he is a tackle, and they'll be able to move another young man inside to guard, which will really help shore up the offensive so, line. So he was a highly regarded uh, junior college right. offensive tackle and jumped to Mississippi State. Started the second half of this season for Mississippi State. I believe he started the Auburn game mm-hmm. at left tackle uh, for the Bulldogs, uh, and, and was what uh, uh, was. Like, I'm not qualified to tell you exactly how well specific offensive linemen played. Right. The PFF people uh, say that he graded very well in pass protection, and with Auburn losing Gunner Britton, uh, you know he, he's out of eligibility. The uh, the the Western Kentucky right. uh, transfer. Right. Uh, who played this past season, mo- most of it at right tackle mm-hmm. uh, for Auburn. Sounds like y- you could see uh, Tutal, uh, Isaiah Tutal Miller move over to right tackle. Uh, you could see uh, Percy Lewis come in and play left tackle. And Dylan Wade, who is sticking around and playing one more year of college football, he played a lot of the season at left tackle. He could be ready to play tackle if if something happens. But I think the plan might be for him to play guard right. this season. And you know, a guy who was good enough to start this past season at tackle all year long, sliding inside to guard. Uh, that's, I mean, g- generally speaking, you love when someone who is good enough to be. Uh, to say nothing, I know it's a, it takes a different set of skills to play guard, mm-hmm. but when someone has the ability to play tackle, uh, when when they move into guard, sometimes that's an easy transition for the player to make, and sometimes they thrive as a converted tackle moving inside to guard. Right. It's uh, a lot easier to play inside. Uh, the tackle spot nowadays with these edge rushers, these speed kids, uh, it's hard to play uh, offensive tackle in the SEC or any league. Uh, but yeah, it should be an easy transition to move him from tackle to guard. What are the biggest adjustments you make as someone who started? If you played a lot at tackle, and now you you got one year left in college football, you're going to play that most likely at guard. Where uh, where would you say that? Like, what what are the, what are the things you work on the the most moving from tackle inside to guard? Like, well, you what, probably, what, cha- what changes about your game? Yeah, well, probably in the run game, you're going to have a lot more. Uh, Chip blocks, double teams with the center, uh, working up to the linebacker. Uh, your pass pro, uh, your drop is a little more uh, – it's not as huge. Out there at tackle, you're on an island. you got to really be able to kick back. you got to have really good feet, great hands, and you know push that rusher outside where the quarterback can step up in the pocket. At guard, you're more in a uh, – uh, you know, spacing – 
is a lot less, uh, you know, what I'm trying to say is you don't have as much space to work at guard. Phone booth? Yeah, so therefore you're more of a, That's, it's a harder, power guy. It's harder and harder to use phone booth right. as the analogy there because there aren't phone booths anymore. Because most kids have never been in a phone booth. <laughs> but, right. yeah, it's a different – you're going to be more of a power guy inside a guard. Your, uh, your pass rush lane is not as big. It's just an easier position. It's a little more physical position inside at guard than it is at tackle. So I think he'll be able to make the transition fine. Yeah, I, th- I think and we'll, we'll see if Auburn adds anything else along the offensive line. But, you know, especially considering the state of the position when Hugh Freeze took the job and the work he had to do to bring in some, some guys who were in the portal looking for new homes on the offensive line. You know, I think if you told me, you know, Auburn's going to go, and, and it, you know, portal's open, and these guys, some of these guys are graduate transfers, so this could change between now and the start of spring practice. Mm-hmm. But if you said uh, the Mississippi State transfer, Percy Lewis and Dylan Wade, or, you know, that, that's, your, that's your left tackle, your left guard. Connor Liu looks like your center after playing a lot as a true freshman this past year. Thinking Jeremiah Wright and Tutal could be your right guard and your right tackle. You know, give give that group eight months working together as as a five man unit. And there could be competition. There are other players with something to say about you know who who's in that. And, and Hugh Freeze always talks about it's not five, it's it's eight or nine that are ready to step in and contribute on the offensive line that are really you know make up the core of that unit with the rotation he wants. That's a five you can build on mm-hmm. though. I mean, and, and see you know with with some. Uh, no one, no one in that group is new to the to, to the rigors of the conference either, right? It's four guys that right. were on last year's team and someone who started much of the season at left tackle for Mississippi State. I'm, you know, I, I think that's uh, that's that's that, that's some, that's something that I would be I'd be interested to see how that group progresses. Yeah, I think it's uh, all positive, and like you said, eight months together, uh, you know, getting bigger, stronger, faster, all those things, being in the same system. Uh, same offensive line coach. All those are pluses. Now, on the, now we'll see. We'll see what Auburn does on the defensive line. I know that's a group too that they're you know they're waiting. I mean, I mean, as it stands now, it feels like there's so much pressure on uh, Jason Jones who's sticking around. Like some of those guys on the inside. We'll see what Kel- I mean, Keldrick Falk might take on a more Marcus Harris type role. I was pleased to see Zykevius Walker involved in the bowl game. That's a guy. You know that that that's a guy where where you've always thought maybe there's another level to his play that he hasn't shown you yet, in part because he was so physically impressive as a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Are, are there are there some guys who, especially on the defensive line, where it it takes them a couple of years to connect what they're capable of physically with what it is you know what what's expected of them on the field and what it takes to to compete and late in their careers, they 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 can they can somehow uh, you know pull it all together and, and and figure it out. Oh yeah, no doubt. And you know these kids, they get older, they get stronger, they mature physically, mentally, and sometimes the light just comes on. And uh, I always wanted to redshirt any guy we had that came in as a freshman, uh, and. It's just a growth situation, like I said, mentally and physically. And, uh, you know, just the more reps they get, the more practice, the more in the weight room, the more conditioning, 
the more being around the uh, you know the coaches, learning the scheme, maturity, and it's just uh, the the older they are, the better they are. I think. Talking with Auburn, uh, longtime Auburn defensive line coach uh, Don Dunn. Auburn High School uh, uh, basketball uh, rescheduled. Tonight's game uh, is on 96.3 W. Lee. The women starting at 530. Uh, you, you got the uh, – is it boys? Is it boys and girls at the high school level? I know Jack just told us it's men and women, but uh, you got uh, Auburn, <laughs> Auburn and Opelika yeah. uh, playing, uh, pl- playing boys and girls basketball. Uh, both teams are in the 7A. Uh, you got uh, the Met, the the girls at 5:30, boys at 7. Uh, 96-3 W Lee is how you can check that one out. I believe that game, th- those games are going to be on Friday, uh, but the weather uh, caused them to uh, uh, to, uh, to to be rescheduled. Uh, that's tonight. Uh, you can check those. Uh, you, you can check that one out on 96-3 uh, W Lee. Jack is listening and, and does a, a great job. I believe we'll have some Jack uh, here in the uh, in the studio. Uh, in, in the uh, this this week, I think he's going to be filling in uh, one of the days here on on the drive. Uh, he d- does a great job with uh, uh, with the basketball. Looking forward uh, to that. I'm going to be in Texas and Louisiana, assuming I can fly out uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, it's going to be uh, going to be uh, going to be a cold one. Looking like it's just looking like it's just cold. And my sources, my airline sources, tell me just cold isn't a big deal. Ice and snow. Make, uh, make make things more challenging, but just just cold weather alone is something that airplanes and airports are equipped, even in the southeast, are equipped to handle. Uh, so I'm I'm hoping that's I'm hoping that's the case because we're flying we're trying to fly Montgomery uh, to uh, to Atlanta to Austin uh, tomorrow as a pretty big group, mm-hmm. and when you're flying as a group, yeah, it's tough. One <laughs> one one thing goes wrong, and right. the you know, trying to get those those twenty people. You know, I'm I'm the one always saying, let's let's just rent some vans. Yeah, let's just let's just rent some vans and get on the road. Let's <laughs> let's do it. It's not going to work. Uh, we're we're going to take a break. Yellowhammer, hang on. We'll we'll come back up to wrap up our number one. It's been fun so far on the Tuesday edition of the Drive. It's time to stop dealing with unreliable zero. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Final segment of hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Coach Don Dunn, longtime Auburn defensive line coach, hanging out with us. We were, we were saying, I, I can't really think of, there, there, were, there weren't, we were talking about comebacks and, and rallies and collapses. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't a Tuberville-era game, Coach, that really stood out to me where it's like, oh, yeah, Auburn, that's one where Auburn was up big and, and the other team rallied and, and came back and won. Uh, there, there wasn't, especially compared to some of the other tenures, uh, you know, some some other Auburn coaches that have had wild swings mm-hmm. of of momentum in games, uh, especially, well, yeah, Malzahn and Harston both uh, had a couple of games where he did the, you know, the swings going one way to the other. But, but uh, no, for for Coach Tuberville, it felt like yeah, there were there were um, a lot of a lot of games that came down to the final final few drives, right, right. But uh, but no, that was yeah, we, we we had to go sort of off the off the beaten path to find. Uh, rallies and and comebacks and uh, and uh, and stuff stuff like that. But uh, all right, well, let, let's get is Yellowhammer still hanging on? Let's get to Yellowhammer, who's been uh, hanging on the uh, drive hotline presented by Skybar. What's up, Yellowhammer? Hey, afternoon, guys. So, um, Coach Dunn, you're talking about uh, moving a tackle into guard. Yes, sir. And I'm thinking uh, that would be uh, they are usually perhaps a little more mobile, a little more athletic, maybe, and they would be. 
Uh, that give your offense the ability to pull, to cross block, to downfield blocking. How about four tackles on the line of scrimmage? <laughs> yeah, you're right, uh, Yellowhammer. Uh, he he should be able to you know get out there on the pull, on the counters, on the tray plays, and the tosses and things like that. That's a good point. Yeah, the toss sweep. I, I wish we'd try a little more of that. I still think that's one of the best plays in uh, in football. The old Green Bay sweep, where you pull the guard tackle, get the fullback out in front. I think sometimes we try to outsmart ourselves in in college football and trying to do too many cute things. And when it's still blocking and tackling and being physical at the line of scrimmage, some of, some of that toss uh, getting. Uh, and we appreciate the phone call, Yellowhammer. Good stuff. Some of that is a victim of the shotgun becoming as popular as it is, right? Because I remember, right. I mean, that you know, speaking of that, that, that 08 season, and you know, am- among the things that went wrong, trying to marry the toss outside run game to an all-shotgun offense, remember how odd those, you know. The, so, the pitch. The, yeah, yeah the, the shotgun pitches. It was almost straight lateral. And, and again, and the defense seemed to be. Yeah, you know, and if the, you're not careful, it's a fumble. Now, play, now there, there are. There are offenses that have made that, you know, made, yeah. made that work. Right. You know, I think that marrying the the run threat of the quarterback in. Right. You know, and, then, and then they went to the pistol where they put the guy behind the shotgun quarterback. So <laughs> crazy. Great, great, great stuff, Yellowhammer. Appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll talk with Jake Crane in hour number two. Uh, call him up at the bottom of the hour. In the meantime, three three four three two one thirteen nine. We got a, a SEC basketball going on right now at the half. Uh, Tennessee and Florida in Knoxville, and that game was moved up because of uh, weather. We'll be back. Hour number two coming up of The Drive. Uncle T-Bone here. Do you wake up in the mornings wishing your body felt like it did 20 years ago? As the new year arrives, how about a new you with the help of game day men's health in Auburn? Whether Alabama, this is The Drive. <laughs> The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. I'm Dan Peck. Bill Cameron is in the tropics. He'll be back uh, next week. I don't know exactly. We, we think Bill's back Monday of next week. Is that is that our understanding? I don't want to make any promises here. I will be back Monday of next week uh, as we, uh, uh, I, this is my only day on the show this week as I get ready to take a trip tomorrow with the Troy Trojans, a pair of uh, Sunbelt road games uh, coming up. We've got uh, uh, some, uh, we, we've, we've got Jake Crane, in the uh, at the bottom of the hour, talking with him about some of the things going on in the world of college football. I uh, got longtime Auburn defensive line coach Don Dunn in, in the house, uh, talking about all the uh, the news and, and things going on. We, I mean, we bar- barely touched on on NFL, but I thought a shocking sort of weekend of, of of action. Some of the teams, some of the teams you heard about the most all season long, and maybe it's just the nature of the NFL. But whether it was the Eagles or the Cowboys or the Dolphins. It wasn't just that they lost. In I mean, they were they were bounced out of this out of this postseason. And uh, yeah, some teams that were a little bit uh, a little bit sneakier. The Buccaneers uh, are are now now find themselves a game away from the NFC Championship game. The uh, 
uh, well, the Houston Texans uh, could be, uh, you know, could, could could be there if they uh, if if they find a way. The Green Bay Packers weren't uh, anybody's idea of of a, a genuine Super Bowl contender for much of the year. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's and, and I think we could have we could have two uh, th- this weekend. We could have two really excellent days of, of of NFL playoff action. Traditionally, this is some of the best. The the weekend before your 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 playoff uh, it was a division series weekend. Uh, your your set your 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 conference conference semifinal weekend in in the NFL when we when you get down to eight in the in the NFL that's that's usually the best weekend in 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 the in the NFL season because you get four super high and, and usually these are pretty good teams this this deep in and uh, and and they're playing for uh, they're playing for so much so yeah I'm looking forward to uh. Uh, look, looking forward to, uh, to to seeing how things shake out uh, there in the NFL. Coach, we're saying some some uh, some, some shocking outcomes uh, this uh, this weekend with some of the teams that got bounced. Yeah, I was really surprised with some of the uh, scores and and how bad they played and the and the uh, margin of the victories for these teams. But I, you know, I'm excited for the Lions. You know, it's been what 26 years or something crazy since they won a playoff That's game. Un- it's I really like that coach. I think he's a hard nosed old. Offensive line guy, and uh, yeah, this time of year is fun. To be honest, I very seldom watch a whole game during the fall. I never could when I was coaching, but I've watched a little bit more on Sunday evenings, maybe. But uh, yeah, this is a fun time. I like the Saturday games. I like the bad weather. I like the ice, the snow, the wind, the rain. I think it's tough. (laughs) It's tough to pay attention on NFL Sunday. I know people love the red zone, and that's that's something you can do when you got the time. But I think unless you have a team that you're super passionate about, like that's that's a tougher proposition. You're right. Sunday and Monday games, you know, lend themselves to the more casual viewer or someone you know looking for a wrap up. And then the playoffs are. Just, just consistently fun, and, and yeah, I mean, I th- like Chiefs Bills is going to be enormous this weekend with the uh, with the stakes for for a mm-hmm. game like that. So, re- really looking forward to this action. And we got you know we got Auburn stuff to talk about as well. Let's get to the phones. Kareem is uh, is hanging on. What's up, Kareem? Hello, Dan. Uh, hello, Coach Dunn. Nice to meet you, Coach Dunn. Thank you. You too. Yes, sir. I have two questions, uh, and if you allow me the time, and then I'll hang up for the response. My first question is um, when um, Coach Freeze initially had his opening presser, he spoke about um, a offensive coordinator that had contacted him that he was uh, very intrigued about um, hiring and um, getting on his staff. Could you tell me whether or not was that uh, Coach Montgomery or was that someone else? So, so I'm I'm sorry, just to, just for clarification. So at the the introductory, pre- I think because I remember Hugh Freeze, and I don't have the quotes right in front of me. I remember him talking about coaches who had reached out to him about about being excited. Maybe was this in reference to a specific question about who was going to be his offensive coordinator? He said he had someone in mind he was really uh, excited about. Because I, I don't I don't remember the answer that you're you're uh, you're speaking of from from Coach Freeze. Yes, that's that's what I, I was mentioning. Yeah, I think it was uh, Montgomery because I think they had had a past. So I I don't remember that either in the press conference, but I'm sure that's who he had in mind. I was kind of expecting just just, just thinking about you know at at the time when Hugh Freeze was hired, I was expecting a staff full of guys who had worked with Hugh Freeze before, either at Liberty or at Ole Miss. Sort of, you know, I, I, you know, and a combination of that and maybe people who were 
holdovers from the uh, from the Harson staff, guys with Auburn ties. You know, I was I was a little bit surprised to see him go with. And granted, uh, Montgomery had been a, a head coach rather than an offensive coordinator for for the past few seasons at Tulsa. But I was I was surprised to see him go with someone who you know had sort of a trademark offense that was different than uh, a lot of what a lot of what Hugh Freeze's trademarks had been in the past. And my next question is probably more geared towards Coach Dunn. Okay. Um, but um, so in the bowl game, um, you saw the offense never did uh, kind of move forward. But uh, when Hank Brown came in, you saw something different. Coach, could you speak to, like, what was the difference between um, Hank Brown and Peyton Thorne? Uh, what what made it so different? Because the all year long we we saw where the receivers uh, they said were not getting open. However, in when as soon as Hank Brown got in, you saw the receivers catch the ball, and uh, it just looked very very different. Could you speak to that? Yeah, I'll, I'll try to answer that. You know, sometimes uh, when there's a, a change during a game, a personnel change, these young men are excited. Uh, they want to participate. They want to do well. Their adrenaline's flowing. And sometimes the receivers and the other players feed off of that. You know, the defense, like you said, Kareem, they played pretty good after that first quarter. But we could never get anything going on offense, just like you said. But I think it was just a fresh, uh, a breath of fresh air, uh, maybe a different, different type of ball being thrown. Uh, maybe they played harder. You know, some guys play harder for other guys. I mean, it's just a fact of life. And uh, I think he just came in and gave us a spark and uh, a much-needed spark. And uh, that's about all I could say without, you know, really being there and knowing exactly what was going it, on. It throws it probably throws a wrench into the plans, Coach, because it's uh, because you, you – know, I, I, I think that Hugh, Hugh Freeze and his, you know, based on the answers he was giving after the regular season was over, I think he would have loved a situation where this offseason, we appreciate the phone call, Kareem, uh, in, interesting stuff, good questions. Uh, I think Hugh Freeze envisioned an offseason where he could build around Peyton Thorne as the undisputed number one quarterback of the team and, and sort of design an offense around him. And instead, largely because of what people saw in the bowl game, I wonder how much of the spring is now a competition between Peyton Thorne and Holden Gurner and Hank Brown for first-team reps. Now, maybe Peyton Thorne in the first week of spring practice can show that he's clearly a better option for the 2024 season than Holden Gurner or Hank Brown. But maybe not. Like, maybe they have to, you know, I mean, they, they were linked reportedly to quarterbacks in the portal, especially after the bowl game. You know, maybe uh, Hugh Freeze, uh, you know, a, a has had a a late change of heart about how secure the Peyton Thorn thing is. We'll we'll find out more in the spring. But Holden Gurner and certainly Hank Brown with their performances in the bowl game uh, made it to where, and I think Peyton Thorn with his performance in the bowl game too made it to where maybe maybe things maybe things in that room aren't as secure as they as they might have been when the regular season ended. Great stuff, Kareem. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I just, I just wonder how that uh, – and, and, I, and I also, with regards to how Hank Brown played in the bowl game, how much of that could have been Maryland going yeah, to – Yeah, I was going to say that too. Maybe they had some subs in and uh, 
they had such a big lead that they kind of held off. Good, but he did give a spark. It was a good look, good looking yeah. downfield pass. One of the right. better, one of the better looking downfield passes Auburn had all season was that Hank Brown pass that you know the the receiver caught in stride. And uh, yeah, you can't dismiss uh, something like that. Sometimes you see it, and you 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 know uh, uh, it, it uh, uh, you, you might. You, you might get a, you know, that's, that's one of the things in the bowl game is, you know, you take a look at a young guy who hadn't played much and uh, may, maybe he makes an argument for a little bit more playing time uh, next season. 334-321-1390, uh, the number to dial. I don't think we've had coaching news since the, because we talked about Zach and Carnell on Friday's show. Mm-hmm, right. There are, um, you know, there, there's there's talk of where Auburn might be going. Uh, you know, with the uh, with the replacements uh, for, for them. I know uh, Derek Nix's name had, had been linked. Longtime Ole Miss uh, offensive position coach, running backs and receivers coach guy had worked for Hugh Freeze. I know Hugh. I know Lane Kiffin on social media was having some fun with the rumors that <laughs> that Nix was uh, was was imminently joining uh, Auburn staff. There's also talk that Lane Kiffin's brother Chris could be joining the staff. Uh, now he's he's with the Texans, I believe, right now. So if if you're hiring Chris Kiffin, you're gonna have to wait until they're eliminated from the playoffs, uh, which could be this weekend against the Ravens, or maybe not. Yep. Uh, maybe not. And how fun would that be to see a rookie quarterback, uh, you know, uh, uh, pushing this one as, uh, as 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 far as C.J. Stratt has already pushed uh, the, uh, the the Houston Texans uh, season? But uh, that's a uh, that that's it, it. Sounds like the finalists are are those two, but you could see other. Uh, you you could see other names uh, cer- certainly work their way in, but uh, yeah, the, uh, the the late no, nothing nothing breaking on the Auburn uh, on the Auburn uh, coaching staff, but it still sounds like you know, maybe you know that that's I, I don't know how long you want to go with that with with those kind of vacancies, coach. Like it it seems like it's still yeah. Um... I, I, I don't know. Um, you would like to have everybody in place as soon as possible, but sometimes, like you said, there's other reasons that we're not able to get somebody right now. It could be a pro deal. could be, uh, you know, some negotiations going on, some bidding wars. You what's, know how that goes. What, what with, with coordinators, um, what's, what are their sort of offs? Like, what, what's, a, what's a January, February like? For, for a coordinator. Well, okay, that- what you're going to do uh, now, or as soon as recruiting's over, you're going to come back in. Uh, you're going to probably watch all of your cut-ups from the season. The GAs, the student coaches, the analysts, they'll have everything broken down by run pass, first down, second down, short yardage, goal line, uh, long yardage, short yardage uh, situations. And then if you're a new coordinator, you're going to input your stuff. I'm sure Coach Freeze will have a big input in that. I would think that they would want to keep the terminology as much the same as possible, which is always a plus. It's tough when you have a new coordinator every year, every other year, you're changing everything. So I would imagine they'll, they'll, they'll come in, they'll input their, their stuff, and it's going to be Coach Freeze's stuff. So I'm sure he'll have a lot of say in that. But I would what think you'll Ken, do, you, Kent Austin would probably be pretty involved right, in this as exactly, well, the analyst. Exactly. The yeah. And what you'll do, the offense will, uh, will meet and the defense will meet. They'll input, they'll insert, they'll develop their playbook, their terminology. And you can meet with your players now, which is something we couldn't do a lot of. So you'll have time to insert and install, which is important. And that's you know what, and that's 
That's another reason why being enrolled in the spring yes, so is, so, is so yes, huge. Yes. Gonna be, I mean, it's not, just, it's not just being able to go through spring practice. It's being able to meet weekly with these coaches and get feedback on, on everything and watch film with them. I mean, I guess and, – and I know the bowl game sort of burst some of the it, – it, it stunted some of the momentum people had about a big Peyton Thorne second year. But a lot of what Hugh Freeze said in that press conference is still true. Uh, a guy like Peyton Thorne did not have the luxury of going through spring practice with Auburn or going through those spring meetings with Auburn and had to do a lot of catch-up in the summer uh, in order to be ready uh, for, uh, for, for the competition in the fall. Another full season working with his new receivers and working with – it's just – it's got to be so hard for a quarterback who shows up in May to be ready to go in August. You know, yeah. And, and we're, yeah. we've seen a couple quarterbacks attempt it. That's got to be so difficult, Coach. Yes, no doubt. It's it's very tough because there there are time limits. Even though you can meet, you can have uh, you know your throwing sessions, your seven on sevens, uh, your you know with the kids are on their own. You can give them a script, but it's completely different. Spring is so important. The winter conditioning January is so important. January, February, March, April, all the way up through the summer. That's where your team's made. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. The number to dial. The uh, defensive line coach of the drive, Don Dunn, <laughs> hanging out with us. Drew at the controls. Uh, Dan Peck here. We've got a uh, uh, Jake Crane joining us at the bottom of the hour. Still time for your phone calls as well. Tell you what, we will take a break. Uh, we'll be back with more. You are listening to the Tuesday edition of the drive. Uncle T Bone here. Do you wake up in the mornings wishing your body? I'm at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Tuesday edition of the drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Hope everybody's staying warm, by the way. It is a cold next couple of days uh, here in Auburn. I will be uh, I will be out traveling, uh, not, not avoiding the cold. I think it's still going to be still going to be pretty chilly out in, uh, in Texas. And I've actually got some some weather updates on my trip here. It will be expected temperatures. Uh, we actually we actually have a uh, we actually have a high in the 60s Thursday in Texas. So, you know, I, I will be I'll be surviving it. But. Wednesday, I believe the low is 16 when we uh, when we get into uh, San Marcos. So it will be a, a chilly uh, next uh, next couple of days across the southeast. Be aware. Bring the pets in. Yes. Bring bring yes. Bring, bring in the bring in the furry ones, guys, and keep them uh, uh, keep them warm and uh, and yeah, be be alert. P- plants too, right? Yes. We got to watch out. I know some <laughs> folks are some folks are serious about their plants and uh, yeah, plants and pets. Uh, be uh, be, be uh, what plants, pets, and pipes, right? Th- <laughs> th- things you got to worry about uh, in, uh, in in cold weather. So stay warm uh, these uh, these next couple. That goes for you too, Coach. I know you got some outside work to do. Yeah, I'll and- be in countries tonight, and uh, might have to wear my long pants. Might have to wear the long pants. Might have to stay a little closer to the smoker. Than right, usually do right. To keep that thing. I uh, hope they got it roaring when no. I get in there tonight. Yeah, that oh tonight is going to be tonight's going to be the night you're going to want to want to be. You might jump in that thing. <laughs> it, gets, it gets cold enough. Take a take a take a minute or two. That's in there. right. Uh, that's that's going to be a yeah. It's it's going to be cold tonight. So so be alert uh, for that. Uh, Auburn basketball tomorrow night. A uh, is it an eight o'clock tip? Yeah, late, late late tip in Nashville uh, as Auburn takes on Vanderbilt, looking to start 
uh, conference play four and O. Oh, Auburn and Alabama, the last two uh, undefeated uh, teams in uh, league play uh, in in the SEC. Uh, as uh, Tennessee, by the way, uh, up twenty now, or up up nearly twenty on Florida, uh, with fifteen minutes to go in that game. We were talking that game, I believe, was was moved up uh, out of weather concerns uh, in the Knoxville area. I guess if they if they played it later, I guess the issue would have been Florida getting out, right? Well, like that would have been yeah, probably. Like they they want yeah. they want Florida to be able to leave right. before the before things get uh, too uh, uh, too hairy. But that is the I don't know, how much how much SEC ball is there. Uh, tonight in the uh, I think there's the, four the games. Conference. I want to say yeah, it was three or four games scheduled. So we will have uh, your SEC games tonight. Uh, Missouri is in Tuscaloosa against an Alabama team. I'm a little surprised Alabama is not in the top 25 at this point. I know they're 11 and five. That's uh, five losses a lot for a, a team trying to get in there. But Alabama's got some good wins. And uh, if they, I think Joe Lenardi said Bama is just outside his top 16. Right now, and if they were to win at home against Missouri, he would probably have them as at least one of the four seeds in his mm-hmm. most recent tournament projection. They would join Tennessee, Kentucky, and Auburn in the top 16 in Joe Lenardi's NCAA tournament projection. So I would put, I would have Bama in the top 25 at this point. I think they're one of the 25 best teams in college basketball. They're a 14 and a half point favorite at home tonight against Missouri, Georgia, and South Carolina in Columbia. Uh, and, uh, yeah, South Carolina, uh, South Carolina's 15-2 and two with mm-hmm. a win tonight mm-hmm. against Georgia. And then Texas A&M and Arkansas, a couple of teams that have uh, uh, stumbled. Uh, well, they, they, they had stumbled early in conference play. A&M able to pick up the win over Kentucky this weekend, and now they're in Fayetteville. A&M a slight favorite over an Arkansas team uh, that would be uh, – uh, they, they would be 0-4 in SEC play if they lose tonight. I don't think anybody thought Arkansas would start league play 0-4. Arkansas, 0-4, all three, or 0-3 in league play, all three losses by at least 10 points. Uh, they uh, got beat by 22 by the Florida Gators in Gainesville on Saturday. So a, uh, a, a stunning start to league play for Eric Musselman and the Razorbacks, and they'll try to turn it around uh, tonight, uh, but they've got to do it at home against a, a Texas A&M team that's full of confidence after beating uh, Kentucky this weekend. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. If you want to jump in, uh, we're going to talk with Jake Crane from uh, Crane Company in the next segment. Uh, that, that, uh, that, that number, by the way, 334-321-1390 is the Drive Hotline presented by Skybar. You can text the show, 334-564-1840. That's the Drive text box presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast available however you listen to podcasts. Go to your favorite podcasting platform and search for The Drive or go to ESPNAU.com and use the Podcast Center. Uh, rest of the week, uh, we could have could have some more Don Dunn. Uh, Coach, Coach could, uh, could pop in. We got, uh, I believe, uh, uh, Jacob. Uh, tomorrow and, uh, and and Jack on Thursday. Speaking of Jack, the uh, women's uh, I got the girls basketball game on W Lee uh, getting started in just a couple of minutes. Auburn and Opelika tonight. Uh, girls basketball and boys basketball. Jack's gonna be doing those games on ninety six three W Lee. Big games in seven A high school basketball tonight on ninety six three W Lee and tomorrow night's game, Auburn and Vanderbilt. You can catch that one on Wings. 94-3, your home for Auburn uh, men's basketball this season. First year that we've got Auburn men's basketball on wings. Really uh, uh, thrilled about that, so you're not going to want to miss 
Auburn and Vanderbilt tomorrow night live from Nashville. I would imagine uh, that there's going to be a pretty significant Auburn uh, Auburn contingent in Nashville. I mean, the uh, the, the the Vanderbilt football game had a a, a loud pro. Auburn section, of course, the bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- this is another trip to Nashville. And uh, yeah, people like to go to Nashville. Hopefully, the weather, uh, you know, co- cooperates with us. But I, I we'll have a good crowd. And I'm not sure how many of them are travelers. Right. I feel like you might right. have. You Alumni. might have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You you have thousands of you have thousands upon thousands of. Auburn fans or Auburn alumni in the Nashville greater area, and I think a lot of them will find their way right. to Memorial Coliseum right. tomorrow to check. And out. it's an easy drive from like North Alabama, Huntsville. E- and easy drive from Birmingham. Decatur. If tell yeah. you what, if you're if you live in Birmingham, it's probably easier to go to, especially when you factor in ticket price. It's probably easier to go to Nashville tomorrow night to watch Auburn yeah. basketball than it is to come to, to Neville and Arena. Probably get a better ticket <laughs> on any on any on any night. Yes. I mean, and, it's pro- and that's probably true of road games in general. You yeah, know, cause football been, too. Yeah, some, well, but especially some of these places in the league where maybe there's not a sellout crowd with Auburn coming to town. You can get you can get if you can get there easily. You know, go go watch go watch Auburn mm-hmm. uh, go watch Auburn on the road this year. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Tell you what, we'll take a break. We come back. We will talk with Jake Crane from Crane and Company. Stick around. This is the Tuesday Drive. Can I take these magazines? And 106.7. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Final half hour or so of the Tuesday edition of The Drive. My only day this week on The Drive as uh, I've got a pair of Sunbelt Road games coming up. Bill Cameron is in the tropics. Uh, he'll be uh, back uh, n- next week uh, look, looking uh, looking tanned and relaxed and <laughs> and closer to retirement. So I imagine in a pretty good mood, uh, Bill Cameron, as, uh, as, as, as we uh, wish him all the best on a well-deserved uh, vacation uh, these next couple of days. We'll have uh, we'll have Jacob in tomorrow. Uh, we'll have uh, we'll have Jack uh, do, doing a great job with the uh, with with Auburn uh, High School boys and girls basketball. We'll have Jack in on Thursday, uh, and then uh, Wild Card on Friday. You never know. Maybe there's a show. Who knows? <laughs> uh, and then and then of course we'll uh, we'll be back uh, with uh, somewhat regular programming next week. Tuesdays in hour number two mean we're going to check in with our good buddy Jake Crane from Crane and Company. And let's, uh, uh, I mean, Jake, uh, I believe the last time we talked to you, Nick Saban was the coach at Alabama. So we've got some catching up to do in these uh, these busy last, (laughs) to to say the least, a busy last couple of days. Yeah, so I mean, I, I guess this is what it felt like when uh, Luke Skywalker landed after blowing up the Death Star, and the rebellion realized they, uh, you know, that the the Emperor was gone. Um, no, look, it, it it was kind of a surprise. I wasn't shocked. Um, now, you know, the underlying reasons. Uh, I think there's many, uh, but no, I mean, it's a new era of college football, man. And and like I talked about, uh, you know, th- this week and and last week, if there was ever a time to strike, it's now. Um, so yeah, it's it's crazy to think i mean it feels like nick saban's been there forever and was going to be there forever but uh no it's it's a new era yeah the, the the college football berlin wall has fallen with with nick saban ste- <laughs> stepping down you can use that if you want jake that's yours uh but but it's uh, uh you know what and i guess i'm surprised 
Not that there's any one candidate that I thought, oh, yeah, it needs to be him. But I'm surprised it wasn't somebody who had ties to Nick Saban as an Alabama assistant just because there are so many of those guys who seemingly fit the bill and would be less of, and maybe you don't want that, right? Like maybe you want to make more of a clean break and start a new era of something. But I thought, especially if Nick Saban's sort of retiring on his own uh, accord while the thing is going really, really well, maybe, you know, I I wasn't all that shocked to hear that Tommy Rees was getting a look just because there's got to be that thinking of, well, maybe somebody who was in the room when Nick Saban was coaching and leading this thing, maybe they're better qualified than a total outsider to take over if, if you find the right, the, the right former assistant or current assistant uh, who fits the bill. Yeah, well, look, I, I don't buy into the, you know, you have to be from here to, to understand how to coach and how to win here, but it, it does help. You know, to have somebody that, that knows what's going on when they hit the ground running and they've seen it done before and they kind of understand the lay of the land and the way it works. And I think Alabama did that. You know, I, I think they did try and talk to Stark. I, I think they did try and get Dan Lanning, a guy with some experience in, in that program as well. So at the end of the day, I don't think DeBoer was the number one target. But let's not sit here and pretend like Alabama with Nick Saban involved. I'm not talking about pre-Nick Saban. They made more bad hires than anybody but it's not like they were going to make a bad hire or get a bunch of bad football coaches. The reality is two things. One, we're not going to know about Kalen DeBoer coaching in the SEC until we actually see it. We can speculate. The man's won everywhere he's been. You've got to give him the benefit of the doubt, and he's inheriting a program in really good standing. And number two is nobody's going to recreate what Nick Saban did. Like that, That's just a given. Expecting that is, is so far-fetched and so beyond the pale. Not that the standard – isn't going to be to win championships, right? That should still be expected. But the rate and the way he controlled and dominated college football for so long uh, is another thing that I think the biggest question for his tenure, right, is what happens the first time something goes wrong? What happens if they go up to Wisconsin week three or week four next year and lose? Or Georgia comes to Tuscaloosa week five and they lose at home to Kirby Smart. I'm sure, well, you know, I'm sure, Lane, fans, I'm sure Lane Kiffin, well, they're, they're not on the schedule next year. I was going to say, if Ole, no, Miss, if Ole Miss pulled off a win, I'm sure Lane Kiffin would be nothing but measured if he defeated, oh, if he defeated oh, yeah, DeBoer. Sure. I mean, half the reason they didn't hire him was because of his social media. But I think the reaction of Alabama's fan base and how they handle mm-hmm. mortality, right? Because when Nick Saban, if something went wrong or they lost, you could always say, well, it's Nick Saban. We know he's going to fix it. And number two, Nick Saban's already done so much, there's a lot of leeway there. There is no leeway with Kalen DeBoer. Uh, So I'm very interested to see how Alabama fans react when the inevitability of something bad happening actually happens. This this past year is a great example. Look at Alabama at the beginning of the year. I mean, heck, they went down to South Florida and beat them with a lacrosse player quarterback, and a lot of people had already given up on Alabama. What if it goes bad early next year? Will Bama fans have the patience, which – I don't think many SEC fan bases do, to wait it out and give them a chance. What was your initial reaction to hearing that Kalen DeBoer had emerged as the guy for, for, for in, the, in the Alabama search? You know, you mentioned, yeah, there were some other uh, maybe, maybe names that had uh, more prominent ties to the region or to the university, like Lanning and Sark. Uh, but, but, you know, what, what, is, what is it about Kalen DeBoer, you think, that sold – uh, that, that that sold Alabama on him as the answer uh, to, uh, to to the to the vacancy. 
Well, look, I mean, he all he knows is success. I mean, he's been able to win at, at different places. He's been able to win big games. They're very, very organized as a program. Uh, you look at his decision-making as a coach. I, I thought he's a guy that's very rational, but he's not afraid to be aggressive, but then, you know, also doesn't overdo it. It's kind of like Vince Vaughn says, you know, it's dangerous, but also safe. Uh, and then I think it's kind of the way he handles himself. You know, he's he's not – and over disciplinarian, but he runs a very tight ship. My first reaction when I heard it was, who's he going to hire? Because that's going to dictate how you do, right? It, it's all about who you can put around you. It's not just about the head coach. So I was wondering if Ryan Grubb was going to be named the new Washington coach. He wasn't, even though he wanted it. So he's going to uh, Alabama with him as the offensive coordinator, a guy that's been with him since he's at Sioux Falls and NAIA. And then defensively, how much of that staff are you going to be able to keep? Because nowadays in college football, you have to re-recruit your own team. You look at Hugh Freeze keeping Cadillac Williams and some of those other guys to kind of hold over the team a little bit and help smooth out that transition. So I know they lost T-Rob. That was a big hit with him going to Georgia. They've had some guys leave. But uh, my first reaction was, who's he going to hire? Because that's going to dictate how much success he has. It's, it's just amazing how 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 things can how one win or two wins can have such an outsized impact on stuff like this because i i mean at the end of the regular season we didn't know if alabama was going to be looking for a coach anytime soon with nick saban there uh but i i, I can't help but wonder like if oregon wins the pac-12 championship game is is kalen DeBoer the new the new head coach at alabama like how much of this is based on what he was able to do against Oregon in that Pac-12 game, against Sark in that college football semifinal. And and it's, I mean, these again, there's there's it's not as though he's only coached two games in his college football career. He's done a lot of other things too. But those are, now, now that we know he's Alabama's coach, those seem like huge, huge wins in tilting the scale and, and padding his resume for the job. Well, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, if you're going to get hired to be the head coach at Alabama, you better not only be able to play in big games, you better win them, and you better win them consistently. I mean, it's, it's shown his, his ability, and you go back over his career, pretty much every time he's been presented with a big game, you know, I know they did lose the national championship game, but he's won most of them, you know. So I, I think that's, a, that's big into the calculus of bringing in a guy to follow the GOAT. Uh, that's, that's one of the biggest boxes you can check. Not only do you make big games, not only do you show up in big games, but you find a way to win big games. Now, we'll see if he can do it in the SEC, because, again, there's a, the common misconception out there. This is what I tell everybody, and, like, Stark knows this being at Texas. This is something that he understands after, after being in the league. The, the trick about having success in the SEC is not the one-off win. It's not the, man, if we can just beat Alabama, or, man, if we can just beat Georgia, or if we can just beat LSU. It's outside of Vanderbilt right now, and who knows, there is not a day, a day off whether you're at home or on the road. You are playing against rosters that have NFL players right littered all over them, especially now with the transfer portal, every single week. Going to Mississippi State is not easy, hostile environment. Going anywhere, going to South Carolina, hostile environment. Going to Missouri, look at what they're doing right now. There is not a week off. So it's the overall grind of the week in and week out trying to maintain success when you're getting everybody's best shot at a place like Alabama, that that's the toughest part. And that's the one that's hardest to survive. And and you won't know, and we won't know and, until we see it. And what will be new to Kalen DeBoer, at least as a D1 coach, I know he had some of this uh, with, with the success he had at the NAIA level, but 
Jake, I was at the Auburn LSU women's basketball game on, on Sunday when the reigning national champs were there and, and Auburn, I mean, it, it felt like the conference title was on the line in emotion and in atmosphere. And that's, Kalen DeBoer's going to face that every time he goes on the road as the head coach at Alabama, right? It's, it's, the, it's the game of the year for, for whoever they're visiting in conference play on the road. And I'm not sure at Fresno or at Washington he ever experienced that kind of pressure, let alone what you feel at home. You know, the, un, the, the way things get queasy, you know, if it's a close game in the third quarter or the fourth quarter in Tuscaloosa. But yeah. every time he takes this team on the road next year, it's it's gonna be, I mean it, it's it's gonna be the game of the year in whatever stadium he's playing, and that's gonna be something I think kind of new to him as a as a college football coach based on what I know of him. Yeah, look, you're not sneaking up on anybody at Bama. Like, and the hardest part is not just that you get everybody's best shot week in and week out; it's that your fan base expects perfection. It's the Soviet Union. If it's not perfect, it either doesn't exist or it has to change immediately without anybody knowing about it. So it's the, it's the double whammy, and, and that's what he's walking into. But, you know, that's what you want, right, as a, as a head coach, not to follow the GOAT. Uh, you don't want that, but I don't care how tough or how, how you know, bad you think you are. That's just, those are tough shoes to fill. But you want to be at a place where you're the big dog. You know, so it, while it is tough, it is good to be king. And there's a lot of advantages to having that Alabama A right now, especially when you walk into a high school or something like that. So, yeah, you know, it, it depends on how you look at it. I'm sure he's going to take it in stride, but you can you can feel real small, real quick in this league at a place like Alabama if you're not doing what you're supposed to do the way they think you should do it. Talk with Jake Crane from Crane and Company on the Tuesday edition of the drive. Let's pivot to Auburn. A little bit, Jake, and we'll uh, we'll stick with football before we uh, we'll wrap things up talking a little SEC basketball. But Auburn, some big changes in the last uh, couple of days. Zach Etheridge and Cadillac Williams uh, both out, and uh, we we know that Charles Kelly is now officially in as co-defensive coordinator, which is an interesting position. Uh, you know, to to you know when you don't have the other co-defensive coordinator seemingly around. Uh, but but uh, but but yeah, we know uh, we, we know some. Of the uh, of the new additions to Coach Freeze's staff, we're also waiting to see uh, where where they go with some of the other ones. Yeah, and and you know, best of luck to, to Cadillac and Zach. I mean, what those guys have done for you know Auburn is is immeasurable. Um, but sometimes you got to shake it up, man, and and sometimes it's, it's good to move things. And I think with Hugh Freeze taking over the play calling and and maybe surrounding himself with. Some, some guys that he feels like puts Auburn maybe in a better position uh, going forward with this roster now that there's been a, this amount of turnover. Look, I mean, at the end of the day, you got to ride or die by yourself. I mean, I mean you know, it's, it's, you got to be able to lay your head on the pillow at night knowing, look, we did it my way. If it's not going to work, it's, it's not going to work with me going down swinging, not me wondering what if or if I could have done this or I should have done this. Uh, there's no regrets, man. So uh, I, I feel good about it. You know, you look at the way Auburn finished strong. In recruiting, there's a couple guys left out there. You look at the transfer portal right now. Uh, there's a couple spots where you know you can upgrade yourself. A, a lot of spots right now still, unfortunately, in Auburn. But no, I mean I'm I'm fine with it. Sometimes you need change, man. Percy Lewis uh, coming to uh, Auburn, Mississippi State, huge left tackle. Yeah, it seems like a nice pickup for Auburn, especially retaining Dylan Wade and maybe sliding him in at guard. What do, What do you think of uh, uh, What do you think of that addition for Hugh Freeze? 
Well, look, anytime you can get good experience up front with a guy that knows what to expect, uh, it helps out everything, right? I, I mean, it, it, the game's not going to be too fast. He understands the grind of the SEC, like I mentioned earlier, what it takes to get yourself ready to play and what you're going to go up against. It was a big addition. Look, you want to bridge the gap between Bama and Georgia, you do it up front, right? You do it up front, and then, you know, at some point, you know, the quarterback situation, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I still don't feel great about it, uh, but – I, I hope I'm wrong, but adding guys up front, that sure helps. And uh, let's uh, let's take a look at the SEC uh, basketball standings. Mm-hmm. Auburn, Auburn and Alabama, your only undefeated teams in league play. That showdown uh, looms large as, uh, as those two teams will square off before the month of January is over. But Auburn 3-0, and uh, they've had big leads in all three of these games and, uh, and and they've uh, they've they've passed every test so far in conference play, Jake. Yeah, uh, look, it, I, I don't know about you guys out there, but I've, I've watched Auburn basketball even even when we weren't very good, and even when we've been good, it always felt like offensively we would get stuck a lot, or we'd just be kind of goofy with the ball outside of the elite teams we have. You know, last year it felt like Wendell would just go down and shoot it. We wouldn't really run a ton of offense. It feels like this team is running the smoothest offense from a set standpoint, from knowing who they are while still playing in transition. They're not only taking care of the ball, but they're turning other teams over. And defensively, Auburn is as good as it gets out there, in my opinion. You know, you've got two fives that can run. You've got a mismatch at the four. You're playing 11 guys, and they understand how to play with each other. And I think not having a superstar, is it, it almost helps, as crazy as that sounds. Right, like remember the Jared Harper, Bryce Brown thing? There was a bunch of just unbelievably talented guys, but there wasn't that mega elite superstar. And they were able to make that run. This team that they they play together and that that translates, right? I've seen them win high scoring games. I've seen them win rock fights. And when it comes down to it, the ability to win in multiple ways is what wins in March and what's able to not only let you survive but thrive. And I just feel like this team is playing clean, they're motivated. They know who they are, and the scoring is up in the SEC right now. It, it's as, as high as it's ever been, and this Auburn team, I think, is not to jinx them. They're complete. They're a complete team. Jake, uh, Auburn and Vanderbilt tonight. Ole Miss uh, in the, uh, in the, uh, on the schedule, I think, for Saturday. Uh, you, you feel like uh, – uh, what, what, anything, anything you're concerned about with Auburn going to Vanderbilt tomorrow night? Any, anything you're nervous about the way – playing there. Yeah, it's, it's the gym. Like, it's just something I just don't like. Just get out of there. I don't care if you win by half a point. Just get out of there. I know Vanderbilt, they, they've been struggling this year, but it's basketball. You know, let's get it to the bigs. Let's out-rebound them. Uh, just get in and get out. And then we get Ole Miss at home. Flanagan's on his way back. And that, that an Ole Miss, a win against Ole Miss this year actually means something. So I, I'm excited to see that one. Ezra Mangin, too, for people who haven't watched a lot of Vanderbilt basketball this year, I mean, there's there's uh, there's Tyron Lawrence, who was uh, a top scorer in the league last year, was was a, a target for Auburn mm-hmm. uh, in the portal, decided to go back to Vanderbilt. I kind of thought that the whole thing was an NIL play uh, from, uh, you know, he wanted to stay at Vanderbilt and just, you know, get, get the best offer possible. But Ezra Mangin is the – he's the mid-major guard – uh, who I, th- I think he played at UC Davis. I know he's from California. Uh, it's second year at Vanderbilt. He had a very he's had a very good start to conference play. Like they, they, yeah. they've got a, I mean, they've, they've got a couple pieces on the perimeter uh, that can uh, that can really play well. I just don't know if they have it inside to uh, to hang with uh, with Broom and Williams and uh, and Dylan Cardwell. 
who's who's playing really well too. Uh, you know, hang hang with those guys for forty minutes, Jake. Man, Dylan Cardwell, he's he's finally made the jump a lot of people were waiting on him to make. Uh, yeah, look, it's basketball. Anybody can get hot. Vanderbilt's got some talented players, but you brought it up. The the big guys. That that's the question. Uh, that's where Auburn has the advantage. It's like having a bigger offensive line than the other team and just being able to run the ball and, and kind of, you know, not the margin for error is a little bit wider. So I think you'll see Auburn work it down low. I wouldn't be surprised if Janai had a big day. But at the end of the day, you got to play the way you've been playing, right? And, and you don't need to go change and try and force something. You need to go play the way you've been playing, and you win with defense. What wins on the road, defense does. Auburn is going up against a Vanderbilt team that's not super efficient offensively. Yeah, they got the Frenchman. He's a problem. But outside of that, if they do what they're supposed to do, they should be fine. Jake, let people know how they can find the great work you do. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Yeah, look, if you, uh, if you listen uh, to your sports shows, it's Crane & Company on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, uh, C-R-A-I-N uh, and Company. You can find us on YouTube as well. Uh, yeah, we go live each weekday morning, 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m. Central, and we take live calls and have a live chat. So, uh, yeah, come hang out. Unfortunately for Vanderbilt, Jake, their their big post player has been at Texas for the last couple of years, Dylan DeSue. Uh, he, yeah, he, he, he was a force inside uh, with uh, with him and Pippen. Uh, you know, they, they, were, they were there together a couple of years ago at Vanderbilt, but mm-hmm. Pippen's moved on, and, well, and, and DeSue is yeah, look, now, Dan, now, Dan. now one of the starters at Texas. You remember like I do. I remember Auburn going to Memorial Gym and not being able to ever win. I remember seeing Kevin Stallings. Ugh, it was like every Kevin, Tom Dad ever. Kevin Stallings, just, never dude, again. You, hey, you remember Cornette? Cornette murdered us, Ugh. dude. Oh, my God. That dude just murdered us every time we played up there. I'm so glad he's gone. But, uh, look, go handle business. Keep playing the way you're playing um, and, and keep winning. All right, we, we got to take a break, Jake. Great stuff, as always. Jake Crane from Crane & Company. We will wrap things up. When we return, you are listening to the Tuesday edition of The Drive. Experience and- 